Hello there, Spencer. Hello. How's life? <sighs> I heard on a podcast today, apparently after World War II, uh, instead of saying, like, how's things or how are you doing, they would say, how's the war? Mm. Meaning your own individual something or other battle. I want to bring that back. Yeah. Well, they they mentioned, like, now we would say, how's your pandemic? Mm. <laughs> like, oh, it's great, you know. Kids got the Ebola and the dogs got the bubonic, you know. Spencer, big news. Big news. As uh, the listeners who listened, was that last episode, episode before? Whenever we were talking about the free write apparatus. It was a couple episodes ago, I believe. We, um, I don't think we were too harsh, but we weren't quite kind. But the good folks at free write seem to have heard our critiques, and it definitely was from us. Yeah, oh yeah, I, I, I definitely. Yeah, it was definitely because of us that they are releasing, because I couldn't find a price for it, so I don't think it's out yet, the free write alpha, Spencer. Which, as you uh, may know from the previous free write, was like e-ink, and it was like a Kindle on a keyboard, and you said it looked like a Fisher-Price toy, mm. and we made fun of it fairly hard. But this new one just looks like a keyboard, and I think it looks a lot better, uh, but it looks just like a keyboard with a little, um, what color would you say that is? Like a greenish green? Yeah. Very small screen, but long. It's like a big rectangle. It is based after the old alpha word processors, which I think were discontinued in 2000. And those are what I said you can buy on Amazon, I think, in the last episode. Mm. Uh, so essentially what it is is no more e-ink for this one, just a really crappy screen that shows like a <laughs> sentence or two at a time. It, <laughs> it reminded me, you know, like how you get those, they have like those little board things you can set on your lap for like your laptop yeah. or whatever like those little like like little mini tables for you know and the screen looks like um it just reminded, a calculator it, screen it just reminded me of that just with the keys on it yeah so uh that is where better we, but not really not great i don't i don't know i i feel like it should be less expensive and looks more comfortable to write on mm -hmm. but again i don't no, the price point, so. And say it does look a little bit more practical compared to the other one, um, especially at least because, like, yes, the screen's, like you were saying, the screen's still, like, only a couple inches, like, thick, but at least it takes, it's, like, the length of the entire right. thing. So, like you said, you might be able to get a sen sentence or two on there. Yeah, but I don't want to talk about that anymore. I just wanted to bring that up because it was just funny that it popped up on an advertisement again, just like the regular free write did, and I was like, oh. They're There's always, a new one of these things. They're always listening. They're always fucking listening. I asked a question in the classic lit book club today. Saw that. So I'm going to read this because I would like your opinion. I asked Ashley's opinion on it, and he was in agreement. And most of the comments on here, if not all of them, agreed with me as well. That's uh, a first. Yeah, it is. Uh, but I don't think I asked this in like a douchey way. So. Mm. so I wrote as follows. I follow a basketball page, and it has me pondering something in regards to literature. You see, one of the major arguments about comparing different eras in sports is the evolution of said sports. For instance, you can't fairly compare modern basketball players to players from the 50s because the sport has evolved so much since then. This evolution coincides with most things in society, medicine, cinema, technology, education. We've improved in most things, but I feel we've actually devolved in regards to literature. And I do believe this, Spencer. Last night, I reread some of my favorite Edgar Allan Poe stories, and one thing that struck me most was how far we've strayed from a full utilization of the English language. I suspect this applies to many other languages as well, because why would it only be English, you know? Poe, Twain, Joyce, Fitzgerald, Hemingway all had unique writing styles and utilized language in very particular ways, but contemporary fiction, at least in the works I have read, lacks that uniqueness to a degree. 
There will always be outliers, such as David Foster Wallace, who challenged readers, but I don't feel modern fiction in general focuses on the art of writing. Language isn't stressed or made to be challenging these days. Instead, and this isn't necessarily a bad thing, the focus has shifted to the stories being told. Like I said, I feel literature hasn't evolved like other aspects of our lives. If you use the basketball argument of the modern athlete beating those from the past, you'd be saying modern writers are better than those classic authors we adore so much. I can't in good conscience say that's true. Perhaps I'm just being a literary snob, though. I'd love to hear some of your opinions on the matter. And please, if you know modern writers who you feel are worthy of comparing to the greats of yesteryear, ones who aren't older than the hills like uh, Cormac McCarthy, uh, let me know. I'm always looking for new incredible authors to read. So what do you think there, Spencer? Whenever I saw that uh, earlier... Um, and again, this is only for like the language yeah. and the writing stuff. This doesn't have actually anything to do with the story. Yeah. Um, because storytelling, I think, has actually evolved. Yeah. I yeah I pretty much agree with with that. That's pretty a, a sound statement. And uh, but the only thing that I would maybe would say from a, come from a different angle is um and like how you mentioned with the storytelling, you know they're more focused on storytelling other than maybe the the language like you were saying. Right. Well, the language is just being the art form of yeah. writing itself. Like you think of like a Ulysses or like I said the Poe. Poe's vocabulary and the way he said things was so unique. Uh, you read Lovecraft, so yeah. you'd know like Lovecraft is very similar. But then I also feel like a lot of those things are just like difficult reads. Yeah, like sometimes that doesn't help. Like, but is they, it only difficult? Are they only difficult reads because we didn't grow up reading that style? I mean, yeah, because people probably. used to learn Latin in school, so reading Latin and things like that was not a challenge. But now, if somebody brings you something that's in Latin, you're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, because yeah, I I feel like. Like you were saying, like there's not probably that many people who have such a unique voice, but I think where the uniqueness is is in the storytelling. The storytelling. Um, well, I don't know how much that vocabulary, like you know, uh, is maybe needed. I I don't know. Um, like like and like everything else, it's always in like the what are you trying to tell? What kind of yeah. story are you trying to tell? Um, well, somebody brought up a very good point. Through the lens of time, things do change. So we're viewing those great writers like the ones I mentioned and many more uh, through the lens of time. Like, yeah, they're great writers because they're the ones whose work was so good it went through. There was a lot of awful pulpy writers mm. in the early 20s that like, you know, the 1920s that you never heard of. Then I'm sure when well, that's, Poe probably, was, that's probably really good ones that nobody's never heard of. True. But, th like, you think, like, even Poe's era, there in the 1800s, there was probably a lot of writers that just never made it through because they weren't good enough or their work just didn't stand the test of time. So we only get the sample size of the best. So I said about contemporary writers not being that unique, but 100 years from now, the ones that are still being read probably would be the ones that are considered unique. Mm. So th for future people, they'd probably be like, oh, why can't they write like they did in the 21st century? Why is nobody writing like Stephen King anymore? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's that caveat. It's just, I think it's an interesting topic. It's also, it's a weird thing to compare. Right. Because like, um, like you, like you, I mean, like you brought up in, in your, uh, in your post of like, the basketball or any sports you can't like really analogy. compare modern to something so long ago. Well, even that too. But even though, like, because we're just even like with the sports, is there's like a a physical aspect. There's a thing that you're doing, Eat, like writing. You're everybody's sitting in their own corner. It's I don't know. It's like I feel like comparing writers 
is a more difficult thing to do other than comparing different athletes to time periods. Well, I was going through, or I was going for more of the art side of it, though. So, if you think of people who are creating what we consider literature now, I, I mean, I can't really name anyone because I don't read contemporary literature. I just never found anything that I've read yeah. that was really engaging or well done. I mean... Obviously, the the average reader, even back in the day when it came out, is not really enjoying Ulysses, probably, mm. because that's more, that's like, you know, postmodern art. Only a select group of people are really going to enjoy that kind of stuff. But that's still art. I feel mm. like that's not really created often now. Maybe you can think of like a House of Leaves would fall into that category. That's experimental. That's something different. But like, though, with that, with that um, example, it... I just, you guys, I just remember you and Ashley just talking about how terrible it was. Like, so what's the point of that then? I mean, I guess, yeah, you want to take your shot, and if you miss, you miss, but. Well, again, though, House of Leaves is one of those things. A hundred years from now might stand the test of time that people will still be talking about that well, book versus. Well, will, they, will it stand the, stand the test of time because, oh, this was a great, good reader. It was like. Do you remember that fucking weird ass book from like a hundred years ago that nobody under you had to fucking turn it upside down and shit, read it backwards. Well, see, Spencer, you kind of uh, are the mouth the the mouthpiece for the general public now. Yeah. you just want the good read. Yeah, you don't care about the the art style necessarily in it. You would rather have something be easier to read but has a good story mm-hmm. than something that you don't even necessarily know what the story is because it's so convoluted, stream of consciousness, all that kind of stuff. And I do agree to a point, but. I like more challenging works as well. I think there's room for both. Yeah, oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. But I do I feel like for my per- like at my personal like reading time, I want to enjoy. enjoy something that I'm reading. Not saying that I don't want to try some things, but like like I said like I know especially it's like uh, like sometimes my reading time is so precious or whatever. I want to spend it on something that I enjoy reading, that I like reading, not something that I get two pages and I get I'm like fucked. I get frustrated <laughs> and my mind melts, and then I don't read anything for three days. That's understandable. Um, different strokes for different folks. Uh, I mean, that probably but, has something to do with me being more on the dum dum side than on the. Uh, well, can we at least agree on the fact that I don't think it would hurt if modern writers at least spiced up their writing a little bit oh, definitely. so things weren't so uniform. Because that's where we come into the major problem is when we review books on here, well, we generally don't review, uh, I don't know if we've ever actually just reviewed like random books too often, but like if we just got a sample size of best-selling novels and we started reviewing them on here, whatever current bestsellers, I would have a feeling that we would just kind of be talking about the story and giving the synopsis and stuff, but we wouldn't be able to really go into the writing and deep dive yeah. into it because it's surface level, you know? Well, it's just like uh, James Patterson yeah. is a good example of that. It's very, you know, from what I can gather, and I've read any of the stuff from what I can gather, it's very straightforward, kind of to the point. There's not much to it. Like, and I'm not saying it has to be very convoluted or complex. Like, you can think of, like, a Haruki Murakami... I mean, his metaphor usage and his allegories and stuff may be a little more complex at times, but reading him is not a challenge. No. I don't feel. Or even like a Neil Gaiman. You could, it's such easy reading. Yeah. But at the same time, I feel like there is a little bit of an art form there. He doesn't, I mean, he wouldn't be what you consider a literary guy, but he's like 
he could be on the border mm-hmm. if his subject matter was deeper, maybe. Um, or like you read Neverwhere, I'm sure that could probably constitute like something to be more literary because the subject matter. The, he's one of those guys I could see down the line if he wanted to, could. Well, you know, like in in the future, people, you know, people will can you know look back mm-hmm. and consider him. But like, like I just always like I bump up against like you know like you mentioned like the jo- like the James Joyce's and it's like. He writes in a way like you can't understand. You yeah. can't like you know what I mean. It's just like okay, I get it. If he's I writing things that need to be studied in university, yeah. I just think that, and you're gonna probably laugh at me for saying this. I think we need more Alan Moore Jerusalem's in the world. Yeah, because that's a good counter for the basic novel, like just the basic general novel that comes out every year. Might be enjoyed, might be a bestseller, but it's forgotten in a couple years. I mean, think of how many Stephen King novels you've read that aren't like the shining you yeah know? they're just all right there's middling novels like we read the kurt vonnegut uh sirens of titan that's not one that five years from now we're gonna be like yeah that was a really good book like you talk about it and like you're probably not gonna remember it honestly uh and it's okay like because he wrote slaughterhouse five like not every author needs to have you know crazy hit after hit or anything but i just think that if you're an author and once you get to a certain point in your repertoire you might just want to bust out a quick fucking Jerusalem. You know, something like oh, experimental. Quick, a quick Jerusalem. <laughs> Some thousand-page tomb that's probably not going to get read by a lot of people, and people are going to think, like, one of those ones is just going to be a challenge and nobody's going to enjoy. But you know what? It was different. And that's, like, something I think is important. Now, you bring up Vonnegut because I think he's interesting in this topic because, like, granted, he doesn't, not, like, the, um, not necessarily the words that he uses are like crazy difficult other than when he's going into his like you know his weird stuff but like the subject matter like but the- oh i feel like the the way he like almost like a like a hemingway the way he writes mm-hmm. you know because like, it's more of reading it as a whole versus like a ulysses where each passage could be something mm-hmm. to deep dive into yeah vonnegut's work seems to be like you know we talk about the messages of free will and every like the themes of free will and stuff his is the kind of work you have to deep dive the whole thing. Like you have to see, you have to step back and see the whole picture, and then it's like marvelous. Versus, and the same with Hemingway. Versus like a, any of James Joyce's stuff, it's usually like oh, or David Foster Wallace, or any of those like experimental postmodernists. You have to look into the work, and it's like oh, this one paragraph has so much to break right. down, and then that's when you get kind of bogged down, and people don't enjoy the book as much. Because I think Hemingway is also a um, an interesting one because again, like. He's very succinct and to the point, but the the words that he's using and how he's using them to tell that story is they're very purposeful. Yeah. That's why I think he's interesting compared to like I said, like, you know, like the Joyce is the way like it can be a bit of a slog or a chore to yeah. read. Well, that's why Hemingway was really the first to popularize that style that so many authors have mimicked over the years that we're to the point now where I think everyone thinks that they just kind of write a Hemingway style, and it's probably just because they're not that great of a writer, honestly. Mm-hmm. Because if, like we've explained many times on here, his work seems so simple until you actually study it. Like when you try to, you can read it at surface level and you get the story, but if you break it down and really think deep on his work, it's always like so much more than you really realize. So uh, that that's just like the very interesting thing, but. I don't want this cold open to go on for another 20 minutes. I mean, I, you know, when I saw this post, I was like, that could be an, just an episode. Yeah, I mean, maybe we could revisit that sometime. I do like the topic, but uh, I would like to actually come up with an example because people did give me examples in the comments of like modern writers who do have more flirt. Because I'm not very well read when it comes to contemporary fiction. 
I'll be honest, like I don't read a lot of contemporary writers. See, I've been I've been trying to read some newer fiction, but it's more on the line. It's read a few every year, but, but yeah. it's it's not it's not literature. It's not on the on the literature side. It's more. On... It's just every time I read like something that's like the one the Pulitzer Prize or something. It's always like not that. I just don't really care for it. It's it's boring usually, yeah. and it's it's boring, but not written in a way that I find engaging or interesting. Well, I feel like that that stuff almost is almost kind of like it's like. Oscar baits for like you no, know, yeah. I'm gonna write this story in Most this way. Most of those way. movies are so boring, nobody cares. Yeah, but you know, so you can do that same with your with your novel. You know, you're just yeah. putting things in there that you they that you want to try to that might win you something, mm. or, well, get, or get you acclaim or whatever. Right? Maybe this will be next week's. We'll do a whole topic, a uh, whole episode on this, and I'll look up some things because I would like to use some uh, Poe's examples because I I did read a, like all my favorite Poe stories last night because they're very quick reads mm-hmm. but my reading level has gone up now that when I went back I was like oh this is like easy now which is weird because I used to find Poe challenging yeah uh but now I because fucking thank you Tolkien Silmarillion <laughs> and like, <laughs> David Foster Wallace you guys uh think about this we'll end on this analogy here you climb a mountain right now if you're only climbing small mountains. When you try to climb the big one, it's going to be hard. Mm-hmm. But when you climb the big one and then go back to the small one, small ones are easy. Yeah. Maybe running would be a better example. If you only practice to run five miles, like a five-mile marathon, you might get good at running five miles, but if you did a 10, you'd be fucking dead. Yeah. But if you fucking work on running 10 miles and then do a five-mile five, yeah. marathon, easy. Easy That's peasy. what it's like going back to some of these work after reading these monstrosities that I've been reading lately. Uh, but anyway, folks, we have an episode about banned books, and this one might get controversial, so uh, uh, that's why I kind of wanted this cold open to be a little longer, because people might not like what we're going to be discussing here, because I looked, I got two to separate lists, uh, but I'll bring it up in the intro. So if you don't like the discussion of, um, I'm, and we're going to try to stay out of any polit- like politics or anything, but it's like a lot of LGBTQ Good. stuff and a lot of sexualization and things like that. So if you're not into that, I would completely understand you not listening to the rest of the episode. But we're going to try to keep it somewhat PG and keep our opinions out of it to a degree. Uh, So anyway, space music. You are listening to the Drunken Pen Writing what is it? Podcast. Podcast. Um, and I would like to give a special shout out today, Spencer. Ooh, who shout out? We have a lot of listeners in Germany, oh, specifically yeah. in Baden-Württemberg. Nice. Um, which is I think south, southern, southwestern Germany, maybe, or southeast Germany, west, east. I think it's west. Uh, they have the Black Forest. I looked it up. because I'd never heard of it, and it looks beautiful. And I'm like, holy shit. Uh, but I'm, we got a significant amount of downloads in the last month from all of Germany, but that general region got the most. So No, what was the name of that place? Baden-Württemberg. <laughs> I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, my name, because I am the host and I am the guy who has to pronounce things like Baden-Württemberg. Uh, what is my name? Caleb James. Ooh, I have to tell you off air, by the way, uh, we might have a sponsor for the actual sponsor for the show. So, But I don't want to jinx us, so I'll, no. I'll tell you off air. Remind me at the end of this. Uh, the guy I'm talking to, because you folks definitely don't know, no. is Spencer the... What are you? Spencer, the Reno Rhino Wrestler Church. Nice. I was going to make you the Phoenix 
something or other, but I decided against it because the P and then it'd be F words. And I just decided Reno was better. So you're the Reno Rhino wrestler. I almost said Rio Rhino wrestler, Ooh. which changes up because that's now you're down South America style. Yeah. Uh, today's episode is a controversial one, so we'll hop right into it. Uh, we're going to be talking about banned books. I have two separate lists here I'm going to go off of. The first one is the top 10 banned books just currently in the United States. The second one is just of all time. So those would be the classics and stuff like that. Uh, and I'm going to kind of go over the reasons for these bannings and stuff. But I will say off of Jump Street, I am very anti-censorship and don't believe books should be banned regardless of the topics. But with the big caveat here, uh, which when I looked up some of these books in this list, I actually do agree that I do not believe children should be reading some of these books, or if they are, it should be with the parents' guidance there, and I don't think they should be in schools, but I will... We'll, well, at least, uh, well, well, yeah, we'll wait until we get we'll, into it, because we'll I, I don't know about any of these any of these books off. I haven't had a chance to... Right, well, this first uh, article is off of Esquire, so this is a real legit place, um... Does Esquire still have a magazine, or is it just probably not? They were uh, they had some great fiction from what I remember back in the day. I believe there's probably like fifteen bucks a magazine or something, probably. Yeah, uh, I'm not gonna read this gigantic intro. I'm just gonna get into the list. So the very first one on this list is Gender Queer by Maya Kobabe. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that name at all correctly. Maya K O B A B E. I'm gonna say Kobabe. Kobabe. Um. But it's gender queer, and I do remember kind of hearing this on I, the news. The, the title sounds familiar, and I think most of these books probably end up getting like banned in Texas, so in Texas schools. In this beautifully illustrated memoir, Kobebe, who uses E, M, and air pronouns, charts air journey of self-discovery from adolescence to adulthood. And I'm gonna have to feign ignorance on this. I don't know what the air pronouns are. I was are. just gonna ask you what the, that was. Like the letter E, and then E M, and then E I R. Is it just like, you know, the them there, but cut off the T H? I'm not sure. I'll have to look into that. Along the way, Kababe navigates confusing questions about sexuality and gender identity, then ultimately comes out as gender non binary. E faces familiar teenage problems like the agony of crushes and dating, along with confusing challenges like menstruating as a non-binary individual. Uh, and then it goes on here. But here's why it was kind of it, it's banned. Gay. It's considered the most challenging, most challenged book in the country right now. And I think uh, Canada is having a big problem with this book. Uh, it has a candid discussion of gender fluidity as downright pornographic, according to some folks. They think it's pornographic. I have no problem with like gender queer explanations in stories or books for kids or anything like that like you know they should especially in nowadays they have to know kind of what the world how to navigate the world they're going into whether they're actually consider themselves queer or not but when i here's the problem with the book because this one's uh, illustrated like so it's cartoons right when i looked it up a lot of the pictures there was like overtly sexually graphic depictions mm. like there was one of i think it was a boy uh, and a trans person wearing a dildo, and he was giving it a blowjob. Mm. Uh, I think maybe there was another one where someone was grabbing someone's crotch, and just, like, openly sexual activities going on in this book, and that I could completely understand, like, why is no, that no, in a no. school? Yeah. Like, okay, if the parents allow their kids to read this, I would recommend reading it with them so they know what they're engaging in, uh, but even so, I personally don't think young children need to see... So, and, I, and I grew up like fucking I remember stumbling to my uncle's playboys when I was like five. You yeah. know, I seen 
my first pornography when I was like six or something. That was back when you had to get VHSs. The kids are probably seeing porn regardless of how well their parents are, you know, trying to keep it away from. They're probably seeing it, you know, all the time from different places, which kind of sucks because it probably gives you a warped sexual, like what they have now. Bro, yeah. Versus us watching Cinemax with the blurry screen yeah. and you see a nipple. Like, it's a lot different now. But as far as books aimed at kids, and some people say this is kind of like a grooming book. Uh, I could see both sides of the argument of why kids should be allowed to maybe not necessarily like read this book, but like the messaging in the book. But at the same time, you know, it is graphic and I don't think it should be aimed towards children. Well, and just from a, a legal aspect, you, yeah, you can see why schools wouldn't want to have yeah. this. And because um, uh, at first I thought it, if it was just a um, like a prose thing and he was just. You know, you were just reading him talking about things. Yeah, but it actually shows the pictures. Yeah. And there and there's no blurs, there's no bars, it's just graphic they showed, you know. And this is kind of what confuses me because our school that we went to, public school, just sucked inner city school. It uh like I don't I remember having sex ed when I was in like fourth grade, fifth grade. I don't yeah. remember what grade it was, but I don't remember like it being good. I don't remember really anything they talked about and I don't remember if they showed pictures of anything or just it, Well, there was a couple, like there was like Sex ed in like middle school, and then those were sex ed in high school too. Yeah, which were just like a part of health class. So but that was like a week. Yeah, <laughs> but so I don't know because having not read the book, I don't know if this kind of falls in line with that. So maybe what they show in sex ed classes now is similar to what this book shows. I don't know. I can't say if that's the case. Then maybe this oh, book I should be. I never even thought about what sex ed would be, be like, like yeah. nowadays. Oh my god! <laughs> right. So uh, you'd need like a whole like you need just a whole diagrams day, and yeah, a whole day just to get into that stuff. Well, I also get the aspect of like it's weird because the way we view sex in this country has always been very prudish, but you can't like one class like because I remember sex it wasn't like something we took like as a semester or something. It was just like one class randomly or some shit. Like that's not enough to teach kids anything. No, uh, sex ed definitely needs better and teach. Whether you like it or not, kids de- do need to learn about sex, and they need. To, I I still think it should be on the parents to teach them. It should but be a little bit of both. A little bit of both. In school, could teach you the uh, sterilized, normal, proper. Because I mean, fucking some, Mormon at, way of doing things or well, something. I mean, because like, look at some of these. Look at some of the kids, and then look at them parents. Yeah, they should maybe not be telling them. Like or honestly, like, a lot of parents need to go to sex ed. Right. So I could I could see where like the parents you know go over. Like, yes, you know, this is sex. This is where you got to do protection. Mm. But, like, then school's going maybe a bit more of a detail or, like, how to go, you know, mm. that that stuff or, like, you know, things you may not want to talk to your parents about, but you can talk to this one teacher you see once every couple of years yeah. that you know that you don't have to worry about the hang-up of. Well, for the people, and this is, we'll end on this book with this one. For the people who think that like this book is just completely acceptable and kids should be able to read it and stuff even if it shows some depictions of sexual nature i like to say like think of it like this what if you just showed what used to be considered just the normal male and female having sex in you know drawing form like you see penis and vagina Mm -hmm. or penis and mouth or whatever but it's just male and female do you find that still acceptable for the kids to read is or because like i said the it was like a strap on the one that was wearing in the picture I saw, so it wasn't like an actual penis, but it looked, it looked like a fucking yeah. penis. So, like, if you think it's just like, oh, it's the LGBTQ stuff is getting censored, and that's all it is, and people were just bigots. Well, 
if I feel like those same people would feel the same if it was straight people having like I could because I'm not a conservative by any nature, but I do feel like like if the conservatives saw straight people having sex in a kid's book, it would feel just as outraged. Yeah, I don't think this is one of those cases where it's actually the LBGTQ stuff necessarily. It's just like sex in general. It's just sex in general, which I don't think sex should be in like kids' books, kids' shows, things like that because they're kids. They shouldn't have to worry about that just yet. Maybe when they're teenagers, and maybe this book is aimed more towards teenagers, but it's a picture book. So, well, that's what that's what I was gonna say. That we're probably gonna have to dive. We're probably gonna dive in more as this this goes through. Is like the different like are we talking kids like middle school or like high school? Like the you know, art and everything that I saw made it look like this was a book like five year olds. Man, like, that's like weird. Ch- like I'll show it to you when we uh, when we're off air. Like it looked like actual children's like a children's book. So I, if that's true, then I'm, I'm not really cool with that. But we have to move on. We're going to be here all day. So the next one is Lawn Boy by Jonathan Evison. Is that like the sequel to Fuck Boys or something? I don't know. Let's find out. <laughs> Lawn Boy is the big-hearted story of Mike Munoz, a young Chicano driver working on a landscaping crew in Washington. As Mike fights against the soul-crushing forces of classism and racism to achieve his American dream, he also comes to terms with his sexual identity. Though the novel was written, this one's a novel, Though the novel was written for an adult audience, teens fell in love with Lawn Boy, leading it to be awarded an Alex Prize, an award bestowed by the Young Adult Literary Service Association, to books written for adults that resonate with teens. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, Makes sense. Yeah. Critics slammed the book for LGBTQ content and sexually explicit materials, pointing to a sexual encounter between two young men. Uh, so I'll just end it there. I don't think that book should be banned at all. No, that doesn't... Because that book was written for adults. That that's stupid. Like, and it didn't. Say, well, I didn't read the intro here, but it didn't state explicitly that these are just banned in schools. It just said banned books, like from libraries and stuff. People were boycotting them because you can still buy all these books. They have the yeah. Amazon links on this list. Maybe I'll put it in the show notes if I remember. Subject matter aside, like any school library, if that's where we're going, like, do they have adult books in those libraries? Like anything, even the classics that might yeah. depict any kind of sexual nature or violence. That's another one. A lot of people ban these kind of books, but then they don't ban books where people are getting heads chopped off right. and stuff. So come on, and like, and that seems like that would be like a good a good book to tackle in like an advanced like English class, yeah. like senior year or something like that. You know, and, well, I'm mean, I'm sure most of these are probably it's like like they said teenagers, so it's probably high school that these are banned, and I don't think that's fair. Uh, it's a prose novel, so there's no pictures. If there's no pictures, I don't find it bad that kids would be reading about this unless it was very gratuitous sex scenes like erotica which this doesn't sound like it is uh i don't think there's a problem with kids reading that stuff because they're watching way worse on their phones all the time probably at school um just look at any fucking rap video anymore oh my god that's way more graphic than what's probably depicted in this book i'd imagine uh next up all boys aren't blue i'm seeing a this is by george m johnson yeah i'm seeing a, a consistent theme here Johnson's effervescent, unapologetic memoir manifesto chronicles the joys and challenges of growing up black and queer. Johnson lays bare the darkest moments of their young life, from the bullying they suffered to their molestation by a family member, while also remembering moments of arresting beauty, from flea marketing with their grandmother to experiencing young love. All Boys Aren't Blue has been targeted for LGBTQ content, profanity, and once again, sexually explicit material. Uh, And this one's a big problem in Florida, apparently. School boards were... You know, not just banning it, but they wanted to boycott, burn the book, whatever. Uh, one, I just want to say that's an awesome name. Yeah. With the subject matter, all boys aren't blue. Like, that's a cool name. Yeah. Because not all boys have to wear blue. And right. also, you know, is that because they're sad? Like, yeah. 
that I don't think that should be banned. Again, unless there's a like explicit erotica content, it just sounds like they're banning that one because it has queer stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that's a you know. Come on, it's 2022. Do we have to ban stuff just because it deals with racial identity and, and again, sexual like, identity? And again, like yeah, and again, like it's like okay, yeah, you might not want to have the like in in the middle schools, but like in the high schools, like by that time already, you know, people are already into there. Well, let's just state this once and for all: anything out under the age of I would say what 14, 15, yeah, probably shouldn't have real adult themes in the work. Uh, because, you know, kids do mature at different levels. They see different things at different levels. They experience things at different levels. Like, every person's different. Uh, but I think across the board, we could say, like, no sex in books aimed at children, right? Yeah, yeah. Once they're teenagers and they're going through puberty, they're going to have questions. They're going to want to experience things. Uh, you can start easing them into it, I think. Uh, just don't be explicit. Next up, Out of Darkness by Ashley Hope Perez. This gripping work of historical fiction set in an East Texas oil town during the 1930s chronicles the teenage romance between Naomi, a Mexican-American girl, and Wash, a black boy. Racism and classism divide these young lovers until the novel culminates with an all-too-real disaster, one of the worst in American educational history. I think that actually sounds excellent. Yeah. Like, that sounds like that'd be a really hard-hitting book, because imagine a Mexican-American girl and a black boy in the 1930s falling in love. That's a gripping story I would want to read. Because, like, back then, they didn't like either one of them. Nobody, like, you know what I mean? As as generalities, like, you know what I mean? Both of them are getting it just for what they are, separate, and then when they come together. Mm -hmm. And this book was banned not because of... um, race or not because of like the racial stuff it was banned because it's apparently a sexually explicit and uh it has been widely challenged for its depictions of abuse so i think that would be an important book uh those are people's real experiences i feel like they should be shared if you want your kid reading them that should be a personal level like that's like a personal choice like if you don't want your kid reading that uh they'll probably get their they'll probably make them want to read it more but like maybe not necessarily at a school library but Maybe these books should have a special place in the school library where it's like, hey, you have to have a parent or guardian allow you to check these books yeah, like out. Like you need like a permission slip or something. Yeah. And honestly, I'd be just stoked if I was a fucking teacher, librarian, parent, whatever, that the kids even wanted to read a book. Right? Any book. Any book. I don't <laughs> care what's in it. Just read it. <laughs> um, next- as long as it's not like Mind Cump or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, The Hate You Give by Angie Thomas. That one sounds familiar too. Uh, hmm. In the five years since its publication, Thomas' debut novel has become a downright phenomenon. Honored with the prestigious Coretta Scott King Book Award, that's probably why you know it, it captured the imagination of a generation and later became a feature film. That's probably why I know it. The Hate You Give is the searing story of 16-year-old Star Carter who finds her footing as an activist when her unarmed friend is murdered by a police officer. Critics have slammed the book for profanity, violence, and supposed anti-police agenda. Well, I tell those people to fuck off. Right? Like, I mean, that that's sounds a like... a real experience. Again, again, That, that real sounds like something that needs to be taught in yeah. school. So, um, especially depending on the area, but like, hey, yes, there's a good chance just because of whatever your your skin color orientation is, like, they where you live, they might come after you because of that. And well, you let's have be to honest. Be on God about that. Let's be honest. There's a subsect of Americans who don't want people to discuss that kind of thing, and we kind of know who those people are. They're racist assholes. <laughs> <laughs> the absolutely true diary of a part-time Indian by Sherman Alexie. That's a weird cover. It's cowboy and Indian toys from like the fifties. Oh yeah. Um. So I'm sure this will be about racism. Published in 2007, the 
This National Book Award-winning young adult novel is an enduring classic in middle school classrooms. Drawn from Alexi's own experiences, The Absolutely True Diary of a Part-Time Indian is the story of Junior, a teenage cartoonist growing up in the Spokane Indian Reservation. Junior attends school in a nearby farm town where the only other native student is where the only other native student is the school mascot. On the res, Junior is considered a traitor, but he doesn't fit in at his gleaming all-white school either. This novel has been challenged repeatedly with distractors citing profanity, sexual references, and the use of and the use of a derogatory term. I'm gonna say I don't know what would the derogatory term be for Indians. I'm assuming that's what it is. I would guess like savages, maybe is or the the, uh, the formerly known as the Washington Commanders. Yeah, maybe. Um, that's that's the only thing I could think of. But like, why would white people? I feel like. Like, why would they want to ban it for an anti-Indian stereotype or anti-Indian? Well, also the fact that it's named that and it's about Native Americans. Well, and also, too, they just probably don't want people to be like, oh, we never called them that. Yeah, or maybe maybe Indians, the, you know, the slur. Well, that's true, yeah. I didn't, I didn't even think of that. Because when I first read that, I was wondering, it was like, it's the part that I was thinking actual Indians, you know? Uh. I wasn't thinking Native Americans when I read the title, but I was like, yeah, it makes more sense with the cowboy and Indian mm-hmm. on the on the thing. I don't, I don't think that book should be banned. Next up, Me and Earl and the Dying Girl by Jesse Andrews. Awkward teenager Greg Gaines plans to make it through high school by keeping a low profile and making mediocre movies with his best friend Earl. But everything changes when his mother forces him to befriend Rachel, a classmate with leukemia. I don't know why I said that so cheerfully. Leukemia! (laughs) Sorry, I just got a little lost there and I just read it really excitedly. Uh, that That should read... When his mother forces him to befriend Rachel, a classmate with leukemia. <laughs> there you go. Sorry. As Greg makes a movie about Rachel's life and traces her deteriorating health, a word I can't say right, he's forced to reconsider the wisdom of living on the sidelines. Me and Earl and the Dying Girl is a gutting, unflinching novel. Okay, so why is this book? Uh, apparently it's pornographic. What? And Andrews tweeted, I guarantee you no one has ever been or will ever be sexually aroused by this book. So I'm assuming it probably discusses the body of the dying girl. Maybe, you know, the cancer is with it, you know, had, ravaged her body or something. Did they say how old the kids were? Teenagers, I think. So maybe there was High like school. a maybe there's like a sex scene or maybe like, you know, I don't know, but I don't think anything about cancer is sexy, so No. No, that seems like something that should definitely be like that should be like an assignment book like yeah. to read and then you know, we you discuss you know discuss it in class. Like, I don't know. That seems like something that should be read in in class, right? Uh, next up, and this might be the last one, "The Bluest Eye" by Toni Morrison. This is the most prestigious writer on this list so far. Morrison's visionary first novel is the painful and poignant story of Pacola Breedlove, an abused and unloved black girl pregnant by her own father who suffers relentless oppression and cruelty in a rural Ohio town. Pacola wishes desperately for blue eyes, convinced that conventional white beauty is the ticket to a better life, but soon finds her mind colonized to the brink of madness. So this came out in the 70s. This put Morrison on the map. Uh, so this is banned for offensive language, sexually explicit material, you know, probably the racism stuff. Uh, that's a tough one because I could understand, because I know her writing, like I can see that it would maybe be too much for high school kids. Like might be a little too extreme again because of the maturity level. Like who'd be reading this book? Because even just like think of like incest alone is like that's a tough sell to right. have high school kids read that. But again, like I was looking at it, this is how I look at fiction too. So you have kids reading that book, right? 
Maybe a lot of kids who are reading that have no experience with any of that kind of stuff, so they're just like, oh, this is fucking messed up or something. But it's probably going to be like at least one kid in the school who reads that book and goes, oh, I'm like going through that. Yeah, that connects with it. Yeah, that's like that's like a real thing, and maybe that actually helps them through that right. trauma. Uh, I don't know why people overlook that. They, they put this fucking generalization on fiction where it's like, oh, everyone should feel the same about this. No, no. it hits everyone different. So a book like that could be very impactful and save somebody's life uh, versus maybe another kid who just thinks it's gross and is like, oh, look, there's sex well, and tits in here. I mean, and, and like the sort of matters a little bit different, but like I just know from like music and like, you know, before when I was, especially when I was, uh, I was younger, I was a super hardcore like ICP fan and people always were saying shit about them, man. But I can I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt that they have saved many people's lives with their music and just with the stuff that they do and just, you know, the, the, how they just made, you know, so people, a whole bunch of kids that never felt like they belong to anything, belong to something. Like, you know what I mean? Right. So, like, that that is, like, a real thing, like... But outsiders are just like, oh, they're talking about murdering people yeah. and, you know, going crazy or doing drugs, and that like that's all they see. They don't understand. There's yeah. like a community behind You're it. Right, yeah, so... Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Like they, they, there's some things like that are like yes, tough, but could really help. Like you know, the students or even the, the adults that are reading. You know, I think it's also important to remember that kids aren't these fucking dumb animals that people it, like to pretend they are. Especially now. Yeah, especially now. But at all time, kids were always treated like they were stupid. Like until you hit 18 and you magically become, you know, get some smarts knocked yeah. into you. You don't know anything and you shouldn't have like your feelings don't matter. And, you know, just do what you're told and then you'll get a job eventually. Like that's stupid. That's not that's, how fucking life works. That's why I always like with my friends, kids, like, I mean, I'll goof around and play with them, too. But like I also try to talk to them as like they're people, like as, they're as, people. as a pope. Yeah. As people like I mean, even whenever like when they were young, I would get down like, you know, I, I would squat down and like take a knee and I like some other yeah. Like, talk to them, like, to their face. Like, you know what I mean? And don't be afraid to use language and vocabulary that they might not understand. Yeah. Because that's how they learn to understand it. That's I hate I, when people do baby talk. That's how, that's how I learned. I can't tell you how much I learned things from just, like, watching, like, a show or something where, like, I didn't know. But, like, after the couple times of watching it or then being like, oh, hey, what's that mean? And then some, oh, well, that mean, that's another word for this or for yeah. that. Like... Treat your kids like you'd want people to treat you. Yeah. Like how you'd want people to talk to you. That's how you should talk to your kids. Like, you don't have to baby them. And if they don't understand, explain it. But a lot of people don't have the patience for that, mm -hmm. I find. Like, you know, when kids go through the why stage and ask oh, why yeah. for everything. A lot of parents get really mad. It's like, this guy's blue because it is. Like, they just don't want to answer it. Fucking, I, I mean, and I can say this as somebody who's not going to ever have kids. Yeah. Uh, I would answer the questions as best I could, as much as I could. But I'm a very patient person as well. But I could see people get annoyed. You worked all day. You're fucking tired. And your kid just won't shut the fuck up. I get it. But then you give him a book. <laughs> the, the, I, I always just like to throw the, the because. Just because. The, right back at him. Why? Because. Why? Because. You know what I would do? Because I think this is a good way to teach kids to learn on their own. I would say, why is the sky blue? Why do you think it's blue? Yeah. You throw it back at them in a way that's not condescending, and then let them come up with an answer, and then maybe you can explain it to them, or you'd be like, well, you know what? That sounds like it could be right, but how about, and you find something that they could look it up, and actually, mm. and maybe if it's like reading something, they would have to be older, but you can find YouTube videos that they can yeah. watch, things like that. Like It's a good way to teach kids without treating them like they're stupid. 
mm-hmm. and you don't have to necessarily because if they ask one question and it's something like that and then you send them on an expedition to find the answer it's a little adventure for them and it gets it out of their hair they're not going to ask you any yeah, more questions right. for a minute right uh there are, actually are a couple more on this list this book is gay by juno dawson do you know what this book is banned <laughs> I, I could i could imagine Dawson's Warm and Wise Instruction Manual for Growing Up LGBTQ covers a vast range of topics from coming out to flirting to the ins and outs of gay sex. Candid and uncensored, it's an edifying, informative work packed with voices from across the gender and sexual spectrums. I would like to look this one up. Uh, if this if this is a picture book, uh, maybe not. So, this seems like actually it's aimed towards teenagers. Um, it doesn't say that this is a prose novel. I'm assuming this is a prose novel, so... I don't. That's a tricky one because if it's very explicit, like in what it's describing, uh, but it's if it's done in a way that's like supposed to be educational, like what do you do with that? Yeah, you know, it's like again, maybe that one should be left up to the parents and kids to discuss yeah. on their own. And and if you're a parent too, even if your kid's a teenager, you can not edit the book, but maybe you read it first and then just kind of break it, dictate it to him, break it down to him in a way that leaves out some of the more detailed bits. Um, and then when they're older, you can let them read it. And I, I think I can, I don't think we've mentioned this yet with some, especially some of these books that we, we do think that maybe not allowed in schools, but should also be allowed in general though. Yeah. Like, yeah you might not I don't think any that. book should be a, you know banned in general like that that the this book is gay or even that the 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 graphic picture book like yeah you might not want to have that in school again just because we were saying about just like you know you just want to cover your bases and be safe at the school but like they should be able to go online and order it off amazon or bonds and noble or whatever exactly there's very few works i could think of that should be just banned outright uh and i'm not thinking of anything that exists that i know of i'm just talking about like things people could create that mm-hmm. should be banned uh, and that would be anything that could incite extreme violence or and that's subjective though because like if you even think of, like, like mind conf you said earlier like i don't think mind conf should be example or uh, should be you know banned from what i understand it was a terrible book yeah but it is possible that that book somebody who's already leaning into that kind of stuff might send them over the edge and do a crazy rampage or something but they're probably going to do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that's a reason to ban a book just because, like, that goes with, like, Catcher on the Rye and stuff. Oh, shoot Reagan or, not Reagan, who, uh, John Lennon. Yeah. Shot John Lennon because of Catcher on the Rye. Like, that, it's just because some person's fucking crazy. If we they did that to all it. art, then there well, wouldn't have any art. It would have been like, oh, the fucking, the summit, son of Sam, should we just murder all dogs now? Yeah. Because like, his dog told him to do it? Stupid, like. Things I consider that should maybe like actually be banned is something that would like actually depict like gross full on like child pornography or something like that. Like something that's overly graphic and it's not just trying to like kill taboos or something like something that's, you know, clearly made for a certain audience that's already engaging in illegal activities. It's kind of like um that old saying like. What is porn? I might not be able to tell you, but I know it when I see it. Yeah. So it's like a lot of times with like the banned things, like I don't know if I could tell you what what could be banned, but I would if I saw it, I could tell you like that maybe should not be uh be able to go out. Yeah, like snuff films. Like, yeah, like real live snuff films, like somebody getting murdered or something. Um, next up, and this is the final one, number ten. I forgot these are numbered, so I could have uh. just looked. Beyond Magenta by Susan Cucklin. Beautifully written and photographed by Cuckland, Beyond Magenta profiles six transgendered and gender-neutral teens in their own words. Each profile tells a nuanced 
personal tale of self-discovery coming out and navigating the struggles and triumphs that follow. Uh, so why? Because about mental health and a lot of things. This one seems to be one that just parents don't seem to understand. Parents, they just don't understand. Maybe some of the personal stories in here are sexually explicit, but it doesn't seem like this would be... Again, you know what? When we get off air, we'll look up some of these just to see, like, you know, if we can see the insides of the books, yeah. you know, to see what we're actually discussing here. But uh, just at face value, that doesn't seem like that should be really offensive, other than uh, people might be bigots or, I don't know, like, homeschool your kids if you don't want them to be right. engaged with, like, any kind of people that are different than your beliefs. Uh, and since we're fucking really pushing time here, I'm just going to read these ones very quickly this is the next top 10 list this Which is, is probably more known yeah this is the one we don't actually have to break down uh top 10 most famous band books of all time Spencer. and i just kind of found a list that seemed to be like the, the, the top 10 seems to be pretty steady in all yeah. these lists so i think this was the best one and before we get into that i would just like to say if i ever get around to actually ever putting out anything please ban it please everybody please buy it. please do you have a guess as to what the number one band book of all time number is? Number one? Oh. And I'm assuming this is probably leaning more towards just like the U.S., but I think this one would actually be for the world. Whereas the last one, I think it's just U.S. Hmm. I can think of a couple of things, but I don't know what could be number one. Just make a guess. I, I was thinking something like Catcher in the Rye. There or it Bo- is. Is it? Number one is Catcher in the Rye. Most banned book of all time, apparently. We don't need to go. I just told you about John Lennon getting shot. We've had you did. Didn't you do some drunken inebriated? We did a drunken inebriated reading challenge on Catcher in the Rye, and we discussed the phony who wrote that book. So, so you can go and dig in those issues, yeah. If you want, or those episodes, if you want to find Caleb and Ash's opinions on that book. I didn't like it too much. Uh, number two, A Clockwork Orange. I can understand why that book would be banned back when it was written. I want to read that. Oh man, is it hard? It, he Bird just created his own slang language. Oh, yeah, I did hear that. Which is throughout the whole book. And it does have the definitions in the end, so you can go and... What you learn them, it's not bad, but it takes you a quite probably half the book, honestly, to really understand what the fuck they're saying. I really liked it. I thought it was an excellent book. I'll let you borrow it sometime. I have it. Because um, it's, not, it's, it's not big, right? It's pretty... No, sure. it's like a couple hundred pages. Uh, th- that's obviously the subject matter, sexual assaults and rapes and violence. Like That's why that book was banned. Uh, this one actually I found surprising. Number three, A Farewell to Arms by Ernest Hemingway. Um, I would like to know why this was banned. This, oh, come, get the fuck out of here, America. <laughs> I get this was written in, what, the 30s, but, because this is about World War One. Yeah. And it's, uh, I believe A Farewell to Arms was the one, yeah, it's the, the guy, he gets injured and he's pretty much, like, impotent. Okay. Get a, I don't think he'd get an erection. Or maybe that was The Sun Also Rises. Maybe that was both books. I don't know. Hemingway had a weirdness for impotence. Like, he wrote about it a lot. <laughs> I wonder why. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, this was labeled as a sex novel. That's why it was banned in schools and libraries. The government said it was an adult. It had too many adult scenes. Spencer, not, not if you want to talk about sex scenes that don't have anything <laughs> about sex. Really? Like, yeah, come on. <laughs> Fucking just, yeah. Number four, this one's also surprising, but I think, uh, well, we know why. The Adventures of Huckleberry Finn by yeah. Mark Twain. It's because the protagonist's sidekick's name, Jim, yeah. uh, his first name, yeah. which is not his real first name, is the N-word. And obviously, the subject matter. But that's one of those ones that gets, and I think we talked about this in the past, I think that should not only be taught in schools, 
I don't think it should be censored at all. No. I think kids need to know that that's a word that existed and was used heavily in a negative connotation from its fucking sole exist or its original existence up to how it's used now uh, because fucking if kids listen to any rap song, yeah, they're going to hear it a thousand times. Uh, granted, it's not meant in the same way, but I haven't read Huckleberry Finn yet, but I would imagine if Huckleberry Finn is calling his friend Jim that, yeah. he doesn't view it necessarily. Like, there would be nuance to that because because it was not used all the time as necessarily an insult. It's just one of those things that, like, obviously was and I imagine created to, as an insult. And I also imagine it has to be one of those, like, you know, Huckleberry, like, they're, you know, him and his friend, they're kids, so they don't know that that, like, is necessarily a bad word. That's just what you said. That's if everyone what, said yeah. it back then, yeah. So it's just, it was in the vernacular. Uh, number five, Lord of the Flies by William Golding. I read this when I was in school, actually, and I don't remember. Uh, I mean, kid gets hit in the head with a rock. It's pretty bad. Well, don't they all just kind of go, like, murdering each mur- other? Yeah, right? But it's not like, I, nothing's graphic. I, I don't think that one should be. Like, I read that when I was, like, in middle school, too. I don't think that one should be. I'm watching the movie in middle school. Yeah. Uh, number six. Well, again, these are this, is, this doesn't say they're banned now. Yeah. At one time, like, most of them, when they were first came out, they were banned. Uh, number six, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. Now, why was that banned? I never read that yet, but that's like one of those post-apocalyptic dystopian worlds, right? Um, Sounds like it. Reproductive technology. Uh, anyway, number seven, The Martian Chronicles by Ray Bradbury. That's another one that's, that has profanity. I hate when that, like, really? It's just so funny because I remember being in school and like, I don't remember. It was like the Grapes of Wrath, or it was like some old book from like the 30s. We had, we had to read in English class. This is maybe ninth, tenth grade, and I remember our teacher specifically like stopping the class and be like, "All right, there's some harsher language in mm. here, but we didn't censor it. So when you read the book, there's gonna be some words, and then we would do the readings out loud, which I always hated. And it was like you'd read out loud and be like, if you're not comfortable saying the word, you don't have to. Be like, all right, so. Johnny was walking down the damn street. And I'm like, damn would be the word or hell. It wasn't even like every once in a while, maybe a shit would get thrown in there. But like that was like their their censoring. It was like it wasn't even anything extreme. It was like, come on. Like as soon as me and my you know my friends would walk out, cousin, he read that fucking picture and they're yeah. making us read that stupid. But like, <laughs> like we were just so much worse. Like it's a, I don't know if the teachers are just dumb or they just ignore, or maybe they just have to pretend they don't yeah. know the kids talk like that. Uh, and, then, and that was also, what, two, early 2000s when yeah. I was in high school. It's different now, probably. Number eight, 1984. Uh, we know why that was banned. Number nine, this one is a little surprising. The Shining by Stephen King. I didn't. I mean, I guess this popularity, it was probably read by school-age children, but I didn't know that would be something that would, would be in school libraries to begin with, like back in the 80s. Yeah. Or was that the late 70s, maybe, that when that came out? That probably was like the late 70s, yeah. probably. Uh, and number 10, Slaughterhouse-Five. That one, I don't see why that... Yeah, is. why would you want to ban that? Because that came out in, what, the 60s, I believe. Probably? It was considered dangerous because of the violent, irreverent, profane, and sexually explicit content. Fucking stupid. Well, uh, the only, like, sexual content I could think of is whenever he was on the zoo, in the zoo. Yeah. Well, you know... And they were naked. And yeah, stuff. that's the, like, the only... But it wasn't explicit. Well, Spencer, that was uh, 20 banned books, current and 10 from all time. What do you think? Dumb. I think we already covered every, you know, our opinion on banning books. Um, I think it's dumb. 
I think 99% of books probably shouldn't be banned in schools, but maybe with the caveat that they should be locked up in a special area, like yeah. we said, where teachers and parents have to agree to let the kids read it. I'm surprised with this, the with the shining light, because if anything, if you're going to tell me that a Stephen King book was getting banned... Carrie? Or Rage. Rage, because he took that off the shelf himself, like... Now it would be. Maybe it just wasn't that big of a deal before yeah. uh, Columbine. I Maybe. think that was like the first like real school shooting where people were like, oh, because even in the rage when you read it, it was like there was a shooting, but it wasn't like uh, it's not like the biggest deal. Mm. <laughs> like nowadays, uh, we have so many fucking shootings. It's sickening. So, yeah, I could imagine rage would be banned now. But again, I don't. That's a tough one, actually, because like where it's like, I don't think rage should be banned in schools because kids, you know, are dealing with right, that. That's yeah. even more. uh Relevant than ever, but like the way the book's written, like the kid's kind of cool. Yeah. Almost like you yeah. kind of like, like the kid and you're like, oh yeah. And you kind of like, yeah, shoot somebody. Fuck yeah. it. Like as I was yeah. dad, I was like, shoot the fucking yeah. teacher. Fuck it. It's kind of cool. He like, deserved it. Yeah, so, <laughs> I don't think that's, I don't think kids should be reading that at all. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> we don't have an asshole teacher. I, uh, we should have had Ashley on because he's an actual parent and he's raising kids the proper way mm. and he monitors like, you know, what they're reading to a degree and stuff. Like he's not going to let them just read straight up like porn or anything. He'd be like, but I would imagine some of this stuff he would have a probably a different opinion on than we do just because he actually has kids and knows what they're going yeah. through and what they're seeing. Cause I have no idea what the fuck modern kids are doing anymore. I can only go by what we did as kids and mm. that was gross enough. <laughs> so could you imagine what like kids are getting into now? Dude, I was, I remember when I was between the ages of 13 and 16, I think it was. Uh, man, I might have been younger. I might have been like 11, between 11 and 16. Let's just fucking be very uh, wide here with this age range. We got a Sega Dreamcast, and it could connect to the internet. Uh-oh. And my brother, who's five years older than me, immediately, immediately found the illicit pornos. Oh, yeah. Because back then in its infancy, porno, pornographic material, and this is probably 1999, pornographic material was uh online was a lot different yeah and it was very slow and it, but it was just very different it's not how it is now it's not instantaneous it's uh very crude and rough and we were just like i just remember like watching that and i was just like you know fucking think about it, like 11 year old kid obsessed with it like oh, yeah. oh yeah so it was just like gross so what are kids doing now where it just could be on their phone if they want right like ugh. because uh, we we used to have kids that would fucking you know draw dirty pictures or I got my dad's Playboy. What? Now I snuck it out of his room. And they, oh my God, that's mm. whole, what does that thing do? Mm. Like, could you imagine kids now when little dirty Johnny comes into school and he got a whole fucking thing, he stole his dad's phone. Yeah. And he just got the world at his fingertips. Uh, I couldn't be a parent. No way. Anyway, that's an hour of madness down the toilet. So if you folks like what we do here at the Drunken Pen Writing Podcast, um, you can follow us. What could they follow us on? Facebook. Facebook. Instagram at uh, Drunk Pen Writing. Or the Twitters. Twitter, which is at Drunk Pen Writing. Uh, I wish they would give us the EN on that. Uh, apparently, they're putting on the edit button on Twitter finally. Oh, yeah? Too little, too late. I don't give a shit about that anymore. <laughs> uh, you go and submit to our Halloween submission period. It is open until at least October. I haven't decided how. I mean, it depends how many we get, but we are. Uh, accepting submissions, so make sure you check out the website and get all the deets on that. If you go on uh, Twitter, it's it's the pinned tweet right now, so you can just click right on it. Uh, and if you have any, uh, I don't know, inquiries about uh, how to wrestle rhinos, especially if you live in Rio or Reno. You got to uh, control the horn. You can go to Spencer's OnlyFans, the 
Rio slash Reno Rhino Wrestler Church. Uh, we thank you for listening, and uh, we will check you out next time. Also, if you you thought this was an interesting episode, uh, we'd love your comments on what mm-hmm. we just talked about because I would like various opinions on this. Maybe I'll bring it up. See, I would bring it up in the classic lit group we're in, but they get really fussy if it's yeah. not just strictly classic literature. They would want to talk about the second list, mm-hmm. not the first one. Uh, but anyway, folks, thank you for listening. Check you later. Thank you.